0: Today we're back on um, the next episode of the Yoga Masala podcast and um, in this um, episode, so we're talking to a a colleague of mine, a good friend, Um, her name is Anthea Pitt, Um, she's based in London currently, Um, so yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I um, besides teaching and uh, practicing yoga, I actually have a full-time day job and so Anthea is my colleague from that job um she's also uh, originally from australia uh, a queenslander um yay <laughs> and uh, so um i know i know that this uh, podcast initially when i started you know we wanted i wanted to talk to um in you know, the people who are interested uh about yoga people who um uh, have something to say? Uh, who have an opinion about topics that yoga practitioners may be interested about? So, uh, Anthea is not a yoga practitioner. Um, neither does her line of work um, relate to yoga. Um, but she does have a good story to tell today. Um, she is. Uh, she has contracted the COVID nineteen, the coronavirus, and she's uh, living with it now. And um, I just thought that, you know, so many of us um, in Singapore and in this part of the world um, don't have um, that, um, um, that experience in dealing with the virus, especially from a first-hand, um, uh, listening from, to a first-hand account, I think would help us very much. So, um, yeah, so I have Anthea here with me. Um, thanks, Anthea. Thank you very much um, for agreeing to talk to me um, on my podcast. Um, so I think you mentioned that you've you caught the virus. Like it's been six weeks. I mean, it's been six weeks. Yes. Hello. Thank you. And um,
1: <laughs> I should I should add that I do use um, some yoga breathing. That's mm. been and so for the, your listeners who are teaching.
0: Yeah so that's the um, bit that I want to talk about you know yeah. at the later part of the of the podcast okay. I think um this this is the the, the breathing pit bit is the part that uh, intrigues me and um it's obviously it's uh, will be interesting for yoga practitioners as well um but yeah I think um before we get there let's yeah. um how are you feeling today <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit up and down today today is
1: um it's a shame we couldn't have recorded this yesterday yesterday I felt Really good today. I'm a little bit, uh, little bit ropey. I had a had a bit of a bad night, but um, the one thing I have learned is that this is um, a, a snakes and ladders kind of illness. So you and um, each step forward generally involves a, a step or two back at some point. If you're a bit daft and do something silly like um, sweep your kitchen out, for example. So, um, yeah, so yes, I've had, I've, I was diagnosed, um, I tested positive. I think it's coming up for six weeks, beginning of July. Um, So, in some ways, I'm still um, fairly new to to living with COVID. Um, There are people who have, been dealing with this since march the proper long haulers and um i have to say that their experiences and advocacy have been very useful for somebody like me um but mm. yeah so yeah. it's a mystery as to how i got it um so i think one thing that's really important to point out is that uh you can wear a mask and you can wash your hands and you can uh, wash your hands regularly and you can um distance properly uh but viral particles these vir- virus particles are tiny and uh pernicious and uh it's it's an incredibly um virulent uh disease mm. so yeah, you know, um but still wear your mask social distance wash your hands regularly do everything you can to not contract it mm.
0: Yeah, so I think you, you brought up this uh, the term long hauler, and uh, you know I think this is the a term that is not particularly familiar with um, I think the the community here in in Singapore. Okay. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people just feel or think that you know you you catch the virus and you know within the fourteen week period, um, you you are you have the symptoms and you know you just kind of ride it out like a flu. Um, and you're done with it, and you you go back to being, you know, how you were before, but this is not the case, clearly, and, um, you know, obviously, I've heard from you, and from a few, um, uh, another of our colleagues as well, uh, you know, the, how, how did the virus is in in for the long term, um, and we don't know for how long, and, um so just want to you know hear from you, I don't know, from the beginning up until like now, the six weeks I and mean, how has it been for you and um, yeah, how has it progressed and, and what is the journey like?
1: Okay, right. Um, well, as you know, I'm not very good at being unwell. I um, <laughs> don't have a lot of time for it. Um, and uh, generally, I need to be told that I'm very unwell. And that, you know, now now you have to stop working and go and have a sleep. Um, So for me, this has been kind of difficult because uh, I still think that I am incredibly robust. Um, I tested shortly after uh, testing kits became widely available in the UK. Now, I had felt ropey for maybe a week or so beforehand. Um, mm. I am pretty sure I mentioned to you and at one point that I felt like I had very bad hay fever mm. Uh, mm. or a sinus infection. I had um, a lot of the symptoms you associate with either hay fever or sinuses. I had a, a persistent headache, um, a sore throat. My eyes were red and sore and incredibly itchy. Um, and I felt a little bit run down. Uh, I mentioned it to a friend of mine who is a nurse. And she said, well, you can order a test kit through the NHS, do it, and then you know either way. So I did that and did the swab. And the swab testing is horrible, by the way. Um,
0: uh, sent the swab did you off. have to do that on your own? Did the I swab? had to do
1: my own there was an instruction leaflet so I had the incredibly long swab um and the instruction leaflet in front of the bathroom mirror um and there is something um it's very difficult to a put a swab up your nose so high that it hurts and you, you just don't put things in your nose yeah and it's also, you know, we all know that.
0: You know, yeah, we, to all the children who are picking
1: under noses. Stop
0: it!
1: <laughs> yeah, after you, after you've put a frozen pea or a piece of Lego up your nose, you know, never to do anything like that again. Um, and you also, and and it's also very difficult to swab the back of your throat. You basically have to run the swab um, around about the area where your tonsils are. If you have them, if you're like me and don't, where your tonsils used to be. Uh, And that makes you gag, you know, that so um, that you have to do two things that are are very um, counterintuitive. So you have to do that and you have to put it in a little, um, it's a little vial with some fluid at the bottom and stopper it. And there's a QR code that you need to scan on your computer and whatnot. You have to register the kit, that sort of stuff. Uh, And you have this very tight time frame to do it. Uh, You register the kit. You have to tell them at what time you are. Hold on. I've got that wrong. You register the kit. You are then told that you have to post it into a priority mailbox by um, 5.30, the day that you do it. At 5.30, there's a special mail collection for all of the viral kits. Yeah.
0: Um, and I imagine it's uh, it, it's wrapped and secured in a biohazard.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, it, it's it's yeah. You're walking down the street with your little box with with the biohazard sign on it, and um, yeah, yeah. It's there's nothing like that to to alarm strangers. You yeah? you're walking around with that, uh, and yet you're dressed normally with a mask on. Um, but you you have to do the test within, I think it's two hours of the. Mail collection. Um, and You have to register. Tell them what time you've taken the test. Make sure you have the test in the post box. This is something that I find kind of weird because these tests um, only pick up when you actually have a viral load. So it's that window, which could be five to seven days. Nobody's very sure um, mm-hmm. at that period of time when you're you're shedding virus. Um, So you you get the kit by by courier and it's put through your door. You have to take the test. But then you have to walk outside, walk down the street to the post box and put it in the post box, which strikes me as um, possibly irresponsible, particularly at that point where Britain had just started easing lockdown restrictions. So I think I saw maybe five or six people as I was going to the post box. Uh, And I was the one who was swerving to avoid them. They Mm. were, and none of them were masked and they're just sort of, you know, walking towards you and walking quite close to you. Um, And yeah, anyway, Um, you, you put the, you post the test off and you get your results within 48 hours. Um, You get emailed results and a text message. Uh, and I have to say, there is nothing quite like getting a text message at half past seven in the morning saying you've tested positive and can't leave the house for seven days. Um,
0: I did you remember do the day where you, you texted me. <laughs> you received I was, a swear word from you. I yeah, I was. Um, I
1: mean, the the swearing was because I had no idea how I'd managed to get it. I I had yeah. been out once, and I hadn't spent hadn't hadn't spent a lot of time in close contact with anybody in that time that I'd been out um, but also um, you get that sort of you know that prickly dread feeling like you're in a horror film just before the the bad guy leaps out with a big knife mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that sort of <laughs> that sort of oh yeah. my lord I've tested positive for something that is new there is no real treatment protocol we don't know how it works and and of course you you kind of catastrophize a bit because you'd seen the footage of Italy mm. um, and I think um, at that point too the really unhelpful thing was that um, we had all been told government advice? The way um, the doctors were approaching it was that this was a purely respiratory illness, and right. that there were two outcomes: either you got the virus, you felt fine, you were you were it was like a flu, um, so you felt like you had the flu for a week or two, and then you got better, or Um, within five days, your breathing would be so difficult that you'd be admitted to an ICU and ventilated. And if you were ventilated, then your outcome would not, was, you know, 50-50 as to whether you were going to walk out of hospital again or not. Mm. Um, And because uh, certainly here, I don't know what it's like in Singapore, but certainly here, though it was either you're going to be fine or you're going to be very, very ill, um because y- you are given that sort of binary. Um, it was kind of scary. And I remember saying to you um that I felt okay. Um I was lying. Um, I didn't feel very well, but um uh that that week that I got the, the test result and I continued to work, um, I shouldn't have worked. I actually felt a lot ill and um I let on uh, I spent a I kept going to to have lie down a, a lie down because I was there would be times when I felt like I had a a weight on my head mm. and I couldn't uh, stay upright um, but getting getting back to that um, I did not have any major respiratory problems. Um, I had a little bit of a fever. Nothing, nothing really alarming. Spiked a little bit, but nothing. I think maybe thirty-eight degrees. Mm. Um, but as you're aware, I had have had um, some weirdness with my body temperature since. But the mm. initial, the initial, um, the government advice here was: if you test positive, you stay home for a week anybody that you have been in contact with has to isolate for two weeks mm. to give time for the, the virus to show up. So I'd um, seen a friend of mine um, at two metres distance. Um, she had to to stay home. She got her test. She was fine. Um, mm. And because the the government advice was stay home for a week, I seriously thought that I would just be unwell for a week, and as you are aware, I worked that week um, mm. and wasn't as well as I let on. But that was me being stupid. Yeah, um, and then and I got progressively worse. Um, I had these sort of hay fever sinusitis kind of symptoms, so a bad headache, the sore eyes, um, burning sinuses. Uh, a little bit of tinnitus a very sore throat Uh, i didn't develop a cough until later and my cough hasn't been persistent but the cough happens still happens um my chest was tight but it wasn't bad uh and a lot of my experience with doctors both my own doctor and um triage doctors uh, with the the NHS um, non-emergency service has been that their focus is your fever and your breathing Mm. Um, I mean you might be able to hear now I'm a little bit breathless but it's not I've not had a problem with breathlessness to the point where I seriously thought I wasn't getting enough oxygen Um, uh, my I felt a a crushing fatigue. Um, mm. so that second week I had one incidence where I couldn't breathe particularly well and I ended up going to A. Um and I have a nebulizer that I use if it's too bad.
0: No. And and just just to, to, to chat it in I remember it I I believe you had to make your way to the A and E and there wasn't anyone there wasn't any, any ambulance to come and pick you up, you know.
1: Yeah, but and I live six hundred metres away from a major hospital. I know. So <laughs> so um the the idea of getting an ambulance um for six hundred metres. Um yeah, no, I'm not gonna do that. Um, I could walk, um, and I could walk that far. Um, I was very tired afterwards, and it did take mm. a little longer than it normally would. Mm. But my breathing wasn't so bad that I could not get a breath, and this is where yoga comes in. So I used to do an awful lot of yoga, and so that breathing down through your nose and and knowing when you've hit your diaphragm and using your diaphragm to to help you get full breath. Um, that for me has been incredibly helpful. and I think one of the things that's um, mm. uh, prevented mm. big problems, big respiratory problems for me. It's in, mm. in that I'd, um, the, the 10 years of yoga that I, that I did trained mm. me to breathe effectively. Um, so that was kind of useful. Um mm. I have had a CT scan to see what my lung function is like. I'm actually due to
0: have
1: uh, I have to go up to hospital next week to have another. Um mm. because there's been there have been ongoing problems. Anyway, um kind of classic symptoms, yeah. yeah. But I have not um how do I describe this? Okay. Sorry, I apologize to your listeners now because I'm, Don't I'm, worry about I'm it. talking. I'm talking in um, I'm, I'm kind of taking going around the houses with this. So, some of the classic symptoms so, fever, slight fever, didn't have it very long, breathlessness to a point. Only there was one, one point where I thought I actually had a proper problem, um, but that managed to resolve itself. Yeah, I do have trouble breathing, but it's not um, uh, critical. Um, Headache is constant, Um, gastrointestinal problems, um, nausea, diarrhea. At the moment, I am going through a phase where I have heartburn and acid reflux, and that's new and it's basically affecting all
0: your systems yeah Yeah.
1: um so i've um been doing a lot of my own research my gp who has been largely very good um keeps saying to me that um this is new for everybody Mm. so your normal the normal doctor patient thing is you go to the doctor for answers but they don't have all of the answers. So um, coming prepared, saying, well, I've read these, you know, there's this, this and this in the BMJ, and this particular doctor who is a professor of um, immunology developed mm. COVID in March, and this is his clinical description, and actually this fits some of the things I've got. Mm. Um, the I mean, the basic prescription, if you get this, is... You need to rest, you need to drink a lot of fluids and you take an analgesic as and when your headaches get too bad. Right.
0: Um,
1: and I think the the recommendation for rest is probably the key one uh, and the one that I am least good at following um, purely because of the way the 21st century is, I think.
0: And also i think it's also your your work ethic the way you were yeah. brought up yeah
1: yeah um Did
0: yeah you know, sorry yeah yeah no i i you know you you mentioned a lot about all these really very varied symptoms, and i remember there were the the were the two the two symptoms that you know that you mentioned that um yeah, that's the most bizarre to me are the ones that uh, pertain to um hallucinations um and mm-hmm. there was, and you also mentions uh, hi- going to hypothermia, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. which is which is really really weird because you know uh, we are being told to um, monitor for high fever or high temperature, but you know there's there's nothing warning yeah. us about you know going the other way, going down south. S- yeah. So
1: there are a couple of, um, I'm I joined a slack group i'm sure you've heard about it uh Mm -hmm. it has had a lot of um media over the last week a slack group called body politic which has a a a COVID channel and this slack group has been a lifesaver for me because it is sort of the sum total of global knowledge about this disease Uh, most of it is you know their patients, people who've had this, some have had have had COVID symptoms since March, February, March, but have not tested positive because there wasn't. The only time you could get tested when they fell ill was if you were admitted to ICU, whereas mm. they were ambulatory. Um, there is also a doctor's, a private doctor's channel on that for medics who have had um, uh, COVID uh, and. The the group itself collates the scholarly journals, journal articles that they find, but also discuss what their doctors are suggesting um, and have run a number of um, surveys and studies. They've released two surveys to the medical community saying, you know, this is what happens when people have it for a long time. So it's almost like a group of guinea pigs. It's this global group of guinea pigs. I think there are 14,000 of us in total. It's split into channels, so you can look at the different – There, um, so there are groups by country and groups by symptoms and um, news articles, that sort of stuff. It's, in, it's incredibly useful, and if any of your listeners have um, – Suspect they've had COVID or suspect they have it. Um, getting in touch with the body body politic people, you have to request admission to the group um, and they ask why. This is basically to keep the hydro, hydroxychloroquine conspiracy theory people away, the 5G masked liquors. Because the idea is just the... to support. Mm. Sorry, is this Did a
0: website know? or is this a? Um... Uh, Slack
1: is an instant messaging channel. Okay, uh, oh, it, oh, okay. But it does have it does have a a a desktop application as well. So it it's it's basically like a message board, almost like an old school nineteen late nineteen nineties message board. Okay. But there's an app version and and a a, a desktop version. Um. And it's particularly useful. People share things that um, they've done that have helped them. Mm. Um, I've found articles on it that I have copied the URL for and sent to my doctor, for example. Uh, and it's it's there that you discover that your symptoms, because you think that you're going a little bit mad when... Um, so my eyesight has been particularly badly affected by this. Um, I have days when I can't focus particularly well on text, and I mm. try the extendable arm thing or on a screen, increasing the magnification. But focus becomes very difficult. But also, um, I've only had this a couple of times. But I have a a friend who has had COVID since May, and she gets. Um, gonna say hallucinations it's a visual visual disturbance might be a better way because okay. she knows that what she's seeing doesn't exist mm, mm,
0: mm. um
1: so there's almost like a uh, there is a neurological um element to this so where the, the the narrative is that this is a is respiratory that this is like SARS this is like MERS and it will follow that same trajectory yeah so you you get the symptoms, you go through a, very, a, a phase of being quite ill, but then you slowly recover. You either have a crisis and recover or you have a crisis and get worse.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Mm. Um, whereas this is cyclical. So the, the snakes and ladders thing, for every achievement, there's a, um, a payback. Um, and the... It's like you have a couple of symptoms that are your base symptoms. These are the ones that you initially present with and they seem to stay the same the whole time. Um, For me, it's been bad eyesight, the headaches, sore throat and fatigue. But then there are all these add-on symptoms. So it's a little bit, you know, when I was talking to you about the pizza or the, it's a bit like an ice cream sundae. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Only you don't get to choose the toppings. You don't get to choose how they stay on the ice cream. And you, you don't get to choose the combination. It's like there's this sort of random element. <laughs> yeah. And you just get used to it and it goes away and there's something else there. Um, I have had this is, I think, and the variety of things that can happen also tend to make you feel a little or believe that you're going a little bit mad because it is so varied so as you mentioned before I was mildly hypothermic um, and I've discovered that I'm not the only person who has been cold so I had um, my temperature is now stabilized and I'm back to a normalish temperature so that's the last week which is a relief because I was um thirty-four point five to thirty four point eight degrees. Um occasionally going up to low thirty-five, yeah, thirty-five point three maybe. And that went on for about two weeks. Um I was and it's midsummer here. Um so it's thirty-four degrees outside and I have a woollen cardigan and socks on and I've turned the heating on to keep myself warm. Um, there appears to be, uh, for some people, endocrine involvement or that the virus can attack your thyroid, Mm. um, which helps you regulate your body temperature. Um, Other people have liver or kidney problems. And again, it, it seems to be where the virus settles in. Um, now I was reading something, and I oh, I'm not very good at, at this, so I'm not going to be able to explain this very well. But because um, the virus has a mutating RNA within it, mm-hmm. it um, it seems that it gains a point of entry, and sometimes that's where your fir- that's why your first symptoms always seem to be respiratory because a virus gets in via your mouth, your nose, your eyes. Mm, Makes sense. Um, But then it will move and replicate wherever it can find a home. And one system or another might be more um, comfortable for it. Mm. Uh, But there are neurological implications there. Are people who, um, I mean, the headache thing. I think um, is yeah. important. Mm. Um, um, there's also, I mean, I've started getting this um, a a numbness to fingers and toes. Now here, the NHS asks whether you've got a, a rash or something called COVID toe, where you get um, blisters like churblains on your toes or your fingers.
0: Mm,
1: mm. Uh, that's a neurological problem, which which right. indicates that the virus actually goes into your nervous system. And, you know, that's, that's your brain in part. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I have read of people who have a a sensation like they have ants crawling under their skin. Mm. um that would be horrendous. I really don't want that mm. um I don't know how you how you manage that sort of feeling um I've had a couple of episodes of muscle cramps so uh, sometimes it's abdominal abdominal cramps but i've um my calves in particular have been seizing up and you know when you get a knot in your calf how painful that is and you kind of have to punch the muscle to yeah Yeah. um that's I've had I've had that um so it's it's almost like (sighs) the virus shows itself with symptoms that on its own is completely manageable Mm. and and modest but in combination so you're already tired um almost everybody has fatigue so you're tired um you may have a headache you may have incredibly sore eyes you may have at uh, the persistent cough or the sore throat right. and then one day your legs are cramping up or you're itchy or um, you have tinnitus. Um, and that's generally accompanied by a um, so I feel most of the time like I have a metal band around my chest, my upper chest, mm. and that um, tightens and loosens randomly. And that's when you and know, sometimes you feel more breathless than other times. Uh, and I'm aware that a lot of my breathing is in the upper quadrant of my chest that I'm not, not getting it down to, yeah. I'm not getting mm. it down to, to the very bottom of my lungs. And mm. when I start to feel quite breathless, that's when I'll try to take the time to lie down and talk myself into, you know, five, 10 minutes of trying mm. to do a full breath to, mm. to get things back on track. Mm. Um but I am now getting uh, chest pain, like a stabbing chest pain, usually on my left side, although sometimes sometimes my right, That radiates into your armpit and down your arm. When it's down my arm, I can't lift my arm up. Mm. Um, it mm. makes you sweaty and clammy. So mm. because none of us are doctors, you automatically think you're having a heart attack, but it's mm. not a heart attack. Um it's uh, the my doctor thinks that it it's either mild pericarditis or um, it's a reaction to trying to breathe properly mm. that you're straining your intercostal muscles Right.
0: Um,
1: so yeah um, it sure. this is a systemic illness basically
0: yeah yeah and so i so you mentioned about the slack group um that you know, you've joined and you've learned a lot from I was just wondering whether you know there were any is there any advice um or any uh, yeah pertaining to breathing exercises to help cope with the symptoms that you mentioned or is there any and, yeah anything to do with breathing at all in, a, yeah.
1: in the um, yeah the there's there's a slack group there are there are a number of groups on closed groups on facebook as well they're Mm. quite useful but essentially for breathing um using yoga full breath techniques are useful also um for those people who have quite bad chest pain Mm.
0: um
1: sleeping with your chest upright so you know that 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 really good you're I'm, I'm doing it now when you you stand properly mm-hmm. um, so shoulders back it's so opening up your chest the way you would do in in yoga um, so essentially I think yoga might actually be an incredibly useful tool for uh, people who have COVID I know Um, Mm. there are a couple of yoga teachers who are part of the Slack group Mm. and I, um, generally on a Sunday morning, I do a, um, it's yoga for sick people, basically for those of us (laughs) yoga for those of us who aren't very well, who don't have a lot of, uh, strength or energy. So it is basically guided breathing with some stretching exercises Mm. because, Mm, um, but, Stretching with um, bands and things um, mm. because mm. you you lose um, muscles muscle you lose muscle mm. strength and mm. and memory as well mm. muscle memory it's mm. um, walk when I think the first the first week I admitted I was ill and mm. I slept most of that week. Um, mm. When it came back to getting out of bed and walking, that was a bit tricky. Mm. So, um, but Goethe will uh, talk you through breathing exercises and it helps for relaxing you as well. I mean, you do need that um, yeah. centered feeling yeah. uh, and it calms your mind, calms your monkey mind, but remembering that there are ways of breathing that even if you're um, you've sustained lung damage and there is a belief that um most of us who've had this will have some sort of scarring
0: mm. you know Anthea i am um, I'm, I'm truly yeah. a a believer in you know using breathing techniques to, mm-hmm. to calm the nervous system you know, and also to help relieve pain as well because i mean i, I mean i've obviously also gone through it uh, personally not not with covid but with um other um well symptoms so I, I mean I think was it last year or two years ago I have had um, you know some stomach problems and I was um, admitted to the A&E for uh, severe uh, acute stomach pain um, and um, I just remember being in immense pain I couldn't walk you know um, I had to be wheeled into the A&E and um, I think it was the worst pain I've ever had in my life um, uh, I just basically felt like I was dying um, and I remember the only thing I did was just to focus on my breathing and all I did was just to make sure I was breathing fully and as slowly as I could and just focusing on inhalation, exhalation, inhalation, yep. exhalation. And um, I mean, it was still painful, but, you know, I, th- I think it, it kind of kept me kept me clear in my mind, mm. you know. And um, and the interesting thing was that, you know, the doctor um, was very puzzled by my uh, low... Um, heartbeat. So my heart was uh, beating um, very slowly, and it was below the normal um, heart rate. I think a normal person's heart beats at about sixty beats per minute, and I was going at uh, sub fifty. Um,
1: You're super fit. Well, that's the you thing. that's elite athlete. Um, well,
0: you can say that, but right. I, I don't exactly think that I'm I'm in that league. But you know, I thought what really what probably did um, help me with that was really the breathing because I was. I was consciously trying to, to relieve myself of that stress that my body is feeling. Um, And so I was really concentrating on my breathing and that was all I did. And I think that was what that helped. Yeah. I
1: think, I think you're absolutely right. Right there. Um, The, the other thing with COVID that uh, I don't know if I mentioned was that you get neurotic heartbeat Mm. and you get palpitations and Mm. spikes in heart rate. Um, So my doctor dropped around a a pulse oximeter to me when I was first diagnosed. So I've had to monitor my, so that you know what your um, oxygen saturation is in your blood and what your pulse is. Mm. And um, this is apparently quite common for people who have it. Um, The, at, when I first got it, the idea was if my um, oxygen saturation level dropped below ninety-two percent, I had to get myself six hundred meters up the road to hospital. Um, <laughs>
0: I still, I still find it quite bizarre. That, you know, you think a six hundred meters <laughs> is an okay that, journey? It's not far for a sick person. it's, know, really, it's
1: not really, <laughs> it's really not far, and it's a waste of petrol. Um, and it would take the ambulance much longer to get to my house than than it get, would take me to get there. So you know, it's it's about managing uh, resources for the greater good. Yeah, <laughs> oh,
0: okay. serious, absolutely. Like, serious, I'm not going to bite you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and I was ambulatory, but um, it became more important. It's become more important over the the progression of my particular presentation of the illness to monitor my heart rate. Um so my heart rate now and what we've been sitting here for an hour, my heart rate at the moment is 90. That's my mm. resting heart rate. That's really high. Um pre COVID I know I was about 62, which is still a little bit high, but good. Yeah. Mm. Um now if I do something like sweep it'll spike up to 115.
0: Oh, uh, that's not...
1: Yeah, yeah. and this, this sort of racing heart and um, the erratic um, pulse is quite common. And yes, you are absolutely right. Yoga breathing helps with that. So if, um, and you know you know how you feel when your, your heart's racing? Mm. Um, I'll generally take a couple of minutes to think about how I'm breathing, mm. and and try to to breathe properly. But there's also that um, sense of calm that yoga for breath gives you, which, which I think is also really important um, because you are. You have an illness that is badly understood because it is so new. So, um, the medical community is employing techniques for other illnesses that aren't necessarily yours to try to help you. And, and
0: that is where I, I am a bit. Um, I don't that makes know. you quite anxious yes that makes me anxious and i i hope and i pray that you know the medical community have that wisdom and that humility to um you know accept that they don't fully understand and know this 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 illness and and to treat each case with respect and with um the best possible course of um, action, you know, for the for the patient, and not just prescribe, uh, like a respiratory, or give a textbook sort of a um, um, prescription um, to the to the patient. Yeah. One one thing,
1: I would say to your listeners, is that if they are unfortunate enough to catch this, educate yourself um there are i mean i have a host of reading material that i am more than happy to share but yes peace. <laughs> it, go in go in to your doctor with some knowledge because in this instance you know as much as they do in in many ways and sometimes you know more because you're living with it um but Do not let them. There's I've seen um, articles in um, respected publications recently talking about the anxiety that this gives you. And yes, there's a degree of anxiety, but that does not necessarily mean that you should get a prescription for an anti anxiety medication. Mm. Um, And it also means that it is very easy for a doctor to say this symptom isn't clinical this is just anxiety
0: mm.
1: you know, you're you're depressed and anxious because you're not feeling well um mm. and this is this is
0: maybe it is the case for some people but it's not always yeah. so um you can So that's be anxious, my worry you see Anthea that yeah. you know that because with all these symptoms that you know that come with the COVID, that you, the doctors start prescribing drugs for, say, like you mentioned, anxiety, or I mean, or if you have, um, I don't know, if you have cough, then you know he gives you a cough medicine. Or if something serious, then he gives you a prescription for, for another, um, 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 you know, a symptom. Then it becomes very symptom based, and you're taking a whole sort of drugs that does nothing yeah. to for you.
1: And I, I yeah. think this is where I'm lucky. In that I actually have a diagnosis, so when I talk to a doctor, they already know that I have COVID, and so I have. A, it's almost like I have a position of strength. I can say to them, "Look, I I might be a bit anxious normally, but this is not an an. I am not. This is not an anxiety attack. My breathing is bad because I have COVID, and I can tell you that I can't." I, I, you know, I'm trying, but I can't breathe fully with my lungs at the moment. And, Mm. um, so I have an advantage that a lot of other people who've had this for longer than I have. So I'm six weeks in and I'm still not a hundred percent. Um, today I feel like I'm about 75, um, 60 to 75%. Not flash, but not bad. Um, so and and I'm reasonably articulate you know I'm talking to a doctor in my own language, mm. and we are both you know we're educated and we'll have both done some reading so i I have an immense privilege when I talk to a doctor in that there is a reasonable there's i have i can almost approach them as an equal. does that make mm. sense? and so I can say okay I have this 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 and this I have been through this phase and this phase um I do not need an antidepressant because I'm not depressed by this I need is to say to you I have this and this and this and I want you to note it down because you need as much data about this as possible so if I can Mm. tell you about my symptoms Mm. and Given that uh other than this, I am disgustingly healthy um, you know all of the all of the symptoms I'm presenting with have to be related to, to the virus because there is no other underlying issue that feeds into it. Am I making sense? Yes, of course you always um, do <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so I have an advantage that a lot of other people don't have with with that. Um, I, mean, I do have that. You, you do want a doctor to say to you, yes, you're not well. Um, but, yeah, um, a lot of my interaction with a doctor is merely to make sure that things are recorded. When it's not something urgent like when I can't breathe very well or because I've got this... The chest pain that's concerning me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly to make sure that there's a record, there's a, yeah. an official record of what's going on. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, think,
0: I yeah. Yeah. So I, I I think you know what your, your advice to to people is it's good. I mean, the the point about you know do your own research and do read up and. And I'm not I mean I, I'm obviously not here to say that you know don't go and see your doctor and don't trust your doctor you should you should still go and you see your doctor and have yeah, to see your doctor. Yeah. Um, but be educated and um, um, know your symptoms and um, and and understand that breathing the breathing
1: techniques that mm-hmm. you and your readers have are actually really important because it's not just teaching people or helping people to utilize their lung capacity properly even if their lung capacity is compromised it's the um psychological crutch crutch is not quite the right word but the the sense of well-being that um even yoga for relaxation gives people is really important when they feel unwell
0: yeah.
1: um, and when they're not rested properly um one, one thing I um struggle with is that I I I do not feel adequately rested anymore. Mm-hmm. Um the the fatigue which comes and goes in waves. That's the another thing about this illness is that it is it is like riding choppy seas. Um, you have calm bits where you think you're great and you can go back to doing what you used to be able to do. Uh, and and then you get dumped by a breaker. Um, you turn your back on the waves and they get you. Um, it's finding ways to... Rest and relax, and yoga. I think is very good for that. Gentle yoga, obviously, because mm. you know I couldn't do a, a sun salutation now. Of
0: course, <laughs> it
1: really that really, would get your
0: heart beat um, going through the room. It, it
1: would. So, <laughs> um, uh, the corpse pose. I'm really, I'm really good at that. Oh, that's my um, favourite. Everyone's yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, do, I Canoe wasn't wasn't one I liked uh, when I was a hundred percent. It's certainly not one I would even think about now, um, but but the the uh, the techniques that yoga gives you to relax and to focus on different parts of your body as you are breathing. You know mm. when you're mm. when you have that the the guided uh, cool down and you are thinking about breathing and the breath reaching your toes, for example. Being mm. that conscious about every part of your body is mm. um, a useful a useful thing as well. Mm. Um, right. But yeah, what would I tell people to do? Don't do as I do. Basically, do as I say, which is don't don't push yourself. Um, at the moment, the only cure is to rest. Um, And resting is really hard to do. Um, I read advice from one doctor who said you should feel well and able to rest and you should be able to do that for a week. So think that you're perfectly okay but still do nothing before you even think about trying to resume something approaching your previous life. Mm. And I think to and this is something I struggle with and I think
0: that a lot you of have, people struggle with as well Yeah. yeah. But the,
1: the, the other thing is um, realising and accepting that your life now is not going to be the same as it was before you got the virus mm. um, that you are going to have to make changes to your lifestyle your habits your work habits your exercise habits that you may not understand or or know of yet because the long-term implications of what this virus does to your system are largely unknown um there are if uh, any of your listeners do want resources, I do have some, and I have some especially good videos from. Um, there is a, a COVID recovery clinic at Sheffield Hallam University here in the UK. These videos are publicly available, and they're quite short, and they cover a. Uh, they're managing fatigue because fatigue is is one common. Issue, um, and it's how to to start um, trying to do more in your daily life, but also dealing with um, the psychological impacts because there are psychological impacts to this.
0: Oh um, yeah, with another the, yeah, yeah, we the to really, go into <laughs> the really
1: thing about this series of videos is that you that these people are all specialists in in managing fatigue, um, they deal with generally it's patients who have had other long, long-term long illnesses, be that rheumatoid arthritis or people who've gone through um, quite severe cancer treatment and ME. But the techniques that they have, um, I think the thing that struck me was how um, genuine and caring and kind these people were. And it is um, really helpful to have um, medical experts who say, yes, you actually, you have a thing. The thing Mm. is real. This is Mm. not in your head. You are not a hypochondriac. Try this. This Mm. might help. If this doesn't help, then we've got this. And none of these are medical things to do. They're... um,
0: not drugs to take yeah not
1: drugs to Mm. take but they're things that you can do yourself and that's also really empowering you know Mm. you want to keep the the medical stuff in reserve i'm i think you and i are quite similar in that it's like well let me see if i can manage this with um rest and breathing Mm. and the occasional paracetamol Mm. and if I can't manage it that way, then I will come to you for another option. Yeah. But let's not medical over
0: medicalize this. Yes. Um yeah. Sorry, I'm just rambling now. No, no, that's, that's fine. I think um I mean, it's it's been a great chat with you and um I think it's um it's I I think it's a really great session that, you know, that listeners especially from Singapore and from this part of the world get to understand you know a first-hand account of how um, COVID a person living with COVID is going through this and what they can learn from it and um, yeah do share with me some of the links and so that I can you know put it onto to um, my podcast as well and for anyone who's interested to, yeah yeah absolutely yeah I would say
1: Don't treat this as though it is just a respiratory illness. It is not just a respiratory illness. It has systemic effects, and those systemic effects may also hit people who who are asymptomatic or who my one of my cats has come to say hello. (laughs) You can hear shouting. This is the. Infection with the virus can have systemic implications. Um, And I think that is the case whether you catch the virus and don't know about it, catch the virus and recover quickly, or if, like me, your um, illness is more drawn out. Mm. Okay. So does that help? Yeah, yeah. I will file those links and send them to you. Yeah.
0: Well, and, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'll have to call it uh, a day for now before my, my earphones really <laughs> go oh, off on me. Oh, I'm I, left with one earphone now.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for talking too much. No,
0: no not at all. Well, be- before it's, we go uh, off, I, I just want to say thank I've you. i kicked in, so
1: that's really good. That um, I think this is the longest I've managed to talk without croaking. No, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure, and I hope it's helped.
0: All right, then. Thank you very much, Anthea.
1: No Bye. worries, and
0: See you soon. Bye.